Every time I preach one of these, these messages, uh, welcome back Sunday, homecoming, vision Sunday, whatever you want to call it, um, and I've been doing that now for almost 20 years, um, I always want to try to find the perfect passage to preach from. And so I take a lot of time and do a lot of scripture reading, and um, I, I want something that really, that really speaks to you, that really fires you up for, for the coming year in ministry. And uh, this year I think I found the perfect passage. And it um, comes from Isaiah 32, and uh, it's going to appear on the screen behind me. Um, listen to these words from the prophet Isaiah. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind, and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the, eyes of those who will see, then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. For fools speak folly, their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. The hungry they leave empty, and from the thirsty they withhold water. Scoundrels use wicked methods. They make up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. And then this line, but the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. I love that last line. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. So, so what this passage is basically saying is that, that there's two types of people in the world. People who, who recognize that the big picture, the fact that, that despite all the storms and all the problems and all the issues that we have in this world, there is a king who reigns in righteousness. There is a God who holds all things, every single one of us, in his hand. There is a God to whom this world is accountable. And, and, and the people who understand this, who get this, they live accordingly. And then there are those who not, those who do not. The fools who speak folly, as verse 5 says in this passage, whose hearts are bent on evil, the ones who practice ungodliness and who spread error concerning the, Lord's, the Lord, the one who, ones who, because they are so focused on their own agenda and their own aggrandizement, leave the hungry empty and the thirsty without water. I mean, they're living as if God doesn't exist. They're living as if they're not accountable to anyone. Now, the word that Isaiah uses to describe the former is noble. And, and, and it's an ancient word, but, it, but it's so appropriate to our purposes this morning. Now, the latter kind of person he calls the fool. Now, now I'm guessing that, that no one here this morning wants to play the part of the fool. Uh, there's no one here who wants to look back on, on this year of ministry and think to themselves, you know, what foolishness. Uh, I, just, I just wasted that year of my life. So, so let's concentrate on this word noble. Tell me, 
what does it mean to be noble? I looked it up this week, and one definition goes like this. Belonging to a hereditary class with high social or political status. Aristocratic. Think downtown Abbey, right? How many of you are downtown Abbey crack fans or crack cocaine uh, addicts? I, I mean, it's... It's, it's one of those shows, right, that you get involved with, and it just becomes a kind of a, a you know, uh, something you can't resist, right? I think there's a movie coming out, isn't there? Uh, some of you probably already have tickets uh, if you're really into it. But there's another definition besides that kind of nobility, and this is what Isaiah means when he uses this word. Noble can also mean having or showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals, These are folks who don't just live their lives. No, they ask the question, what sort of person does God want me to be? What sort of person is Jesus inviting me to be? And then they live accordingly. Again, they're living as if there is a God who sits on the throne, who sits in heaven, and who holds all things in his hand, they, they understand this, and it's around this principle that they make day-to-day decisions. Now, right off the top, I think every one of us here in this room would, would probably just knee-jerk a response to all of this and say, hey, you know what, I want to be noble, right? I, I want that kind of nobility. I, I don't want to be the fool, right? Who doesn't want to be noble? But, but wait a minute, not so fast, because here's the thing, the, the, the choice to be noble isn't just about hoping and wishing and wanting to be noble, right? It's not about getting, you know, a coffee cup like this and saying, I heart nobleness, right? Or, or, or a t-shirt like this, right? In fact, if someone wore that, you'd probably think they're pretty pretentious, right? No, being noble has to do with the way you choose to live, It's choosing the road less traveled. It's choosing what's important over what's trivial. It's choosing what's right over what's easy. It's choosing sacrifice over self-fulfillment. It's choosing service to others over self-service. It is, as Jesus showed us so dramatically when he was here, it's choosing the way of the cross, sometimes even the way of suffering, in order to bring life to the world. To be noble in this world is to choose to do some of the things that we saw on the video, right? To, to, to recognize that, that now is the time. That the world has got all kinds of problems and God needs us as people who believe in him, as people who follow him, to step up and to make a difference. To, to live a selfless life. Now is the time. The noble, says Isaiah, make noble plans and by their noble deeds they stand. So, so hopefully by now you're a little inspired. Maybe you're saying to yourself, okay, Pastor Bruce, you know, I'm in. I'm in. I, 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 you know, I want to step up. I get it. Now is the time. 
And, and I can see in so many ways this, this world is a mess. In fact, some of that mess is, is even in my own life, in my own family, in my own community. I get it. Count me in. You know, I want to be what Isaiah describes in this passage. I want to be a shelter in the storm for somebody. I want to be an oasis in the desert for somebody. I don't want to be one of those people who withholds the essentials from the poor, food and water. So if that's you, then let's get practical. Let's talk about what this means, okay? What it means in your life. Now, of course, this time of the year, we're all making plans, right? Uh, I know that's what Sharon was doing this week. She was um, printing out all the, the schedules of our kids, a um, couple of whom are going to school still, and we're all trying to figure out our schedules. When are you going to be home for supper? What nights aren't you home? Um, I'm sure this is going on in your house as well, right? I mean, if you're a teacher at this time of the year, what are you doing? Well, you're making lesson plans, right? You're making sure there's some plans. How are you going to get your students from point A to point B in terms of learning this year? Um, some of you are parents, and, and you've got all kinds of plans now that you, you're, you're making as to your kids' recreational activities, right? What teams are they going to join? What music lessons are they going to take? I mean, at work, uh, because, you know, the summer is over and vacation time is mostly over for most people, your bosses at work are probably saying to you, hey, don't forget our strategic plan, all right? Here's what we want to unfold in the, in the company this, this week for you personally. You know, you got some plans, right? When to work out, right? Maybe this year you're saying, you know what, I, I want to get in shape or, or I want to give myself to a, a new activity. And it's all great. It's all good. Making plans is a good thing. But what we're talking about here now is your plan in terms of making a dent for the sake of the kingdom of God, right? Yet your ministry plan, so to speak. What's that plan? And as I was thinking about this this week, I thought this would be a good time for us kind of just to go back to our mission statement, right? We, we pull this out usually around this time of the year. Uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, um, we kind of break it down into three things. Loving people, igniting faith in Jesus, and transforming lives. Loving people, igniting faith in Jesus, and transforming lives. And I thought what we could do this morning is I'll just run through these three areas, and I'm going to just ask you, okay, what's your plan in this area? And I'm going to suggest a few things that you might do in order to make a noble plan in these areas of your life. So let's start with loving people. Loving people. Years ago, I attended a conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan, led by two guys, Gary Smalley and John Trent. And the conference was entitled, Love is a Decision. And, and I have to tell you that it, it really revolutionized my thinking about marriage and relationships in general, because the premise of the conference was this, that, that most of us, most of us like to think of ourselves as loving people, Right? We like to think, yeah, you know, I, I want to be a nice, loving person. Uh, but the truth is that when we actually find ourselves in relationships, 
There's always something about the other person that is hard to love. Have you noticed this? I mean, those of you who are married this morning know what I'm talking about, right? When you first started dating, you know, this, this, this person was amazing, right? They were perfect. They, they was all love and roses, right? But, but, but the more you got to know this person, and, and especially when you got married, you realized that there was a whole bunch of things about this person that you didn't like. Right? They had certain habits, certain, certain foibles, certain personality quirks that made you go, oh boy, am I going to have to live with that? Right? And one of the things that, that Gary um, and John pointed out in the conference is that, especially in the area of personality differences, is where relationships can really get messed up. Like, just for example, if one person's an introvert, Right? and another person's an extrovert. Things can get really messed up on this front, right? Because the extrovert tends to be a verbal processor. You know, they don't know what they're thinking until they actually say it out loud, right? But, but the introvert needs time alone, right, in order to figure out what they're thinking. And so when the extrovert and the introvert get into a fight, the extrovert is going, come on, come on, come on, let's talk about it, let's work this through, don't let the sun go down in your anger, come on, come on. And the introvert is saying, shut up, right? Let me think. Some of you find yourself in relationships like that. And they said, you know, just understanding something as basic as that can help you in relationships. And, and, and really, the overall theme of the conference is that you're going to encounter some of those personality differences, right? So you've got to understand that love, to love anybody, is a decision. You know, it's not a feeling. It's, it's a decision. Now, that's not just true about marriage, Right? It's true about all the different relationships that we have in our lives, right? We have to choose to love people. We have to choose to love our friends. We have to choose to love our relatives, right? And for some, that's a real choice, you know, because our relatives drive us crazy on, on some different levels. But now here's the thing. If we have to make a deliberate decision to love the people in our lives that are closest to us, right, how much more effort does it take to love people who are not close to us or who are different from us? I mean, I don't think any one of us here thinks that loving people is a bad thing. I think we're all like, yeah, that's good. I, I, I like that. That's part of our, our mission statement. But what we fail to recognize is that actually loving people in our lives takes effort. It's, it's a choice. You know, one of the, the defining aspects of the river um, that I'm most proud of is that right from the start, we wanted to be a radically inclusive community, right? A radically inclusive community. And what we meant by that is that, that we're going to, to love every single person that comes through the doors of this church, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is, no matter what they look like, no matter how they vote, no matter, it doesn't matter. We're going to love them. We're going to be radically inclusive. We're going to decide ahead of time, before they even darken the door, that we're going to include them and love them and make this a part of them, a part of this community, right? We're going to go the extra mile, we said. Here's actually what we wrote down. Um, at the river, we want to be a safe, accepting, and grace-extending place for all people 
whatever their background, age, gender, or ethnicity. We believe that without a conscious pursuit of diversity, we will tend to fall back into our looks-like-me comfort zones. Through various ministries, we reach out to a variety of people and encourage them to explore their God questions and to progress in their spiritual journey at their own pace. We welcome every person with his or her unique blends of experience, experiences, gifts, challenges, and insights, believing that we will be enriched as a community by the contributions of each individual. Isn't that good? You know, Jesus talked about this a lot. He, he really did, because he knew that by nature, we tend to gravitate towards people who look like us, right? By nature, we tend not to be wall breakers, we tend to be wall builders. And so he, he made a lot of radical statements in this regard. Here's one. He talked about a love so radical, you know, loving people in such a radical way, he said that that. His church, his community, his people would even love their enemies. Listen to these words. These are the words of Jesus. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, right? Love your enemies. I mean, he goes on in the passage to talk about, well, you know, if you just love the people that are lovable in your life, he says, how are you any different than anybody else? Everybody does that. But people who understand the radical nature of the love of God, they then take that love and they love other people in that same way. So let me ask you, what's your plan this year in this regard? What's your noble plan? Right? Well, well, let me make a few suggestions this morning, okay? First of all, invite Invite. Now, maybe that might mean just inviting someone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't think like you, or, you know, uh, just inviting them to your house, right? Or inviting them into your friendship group. But then beyond that, how about inviting them into this community, into this church, and you're like, oh, no, you know, they're going to think I'm some radical right-wing Christian person, and it'll mess up our relationship. Listen, you know, Next week, we're doing this social justice thing, okay? Let me explain this to you. Part of the reason we do this, all right, is we want people to come into this church, and when they come on a Sunday like next Sunday, they'll say, wow, this is a community, this is a church that actually cares about social justice issues. In fact, they care so much that they're willing to shut down their Sunday morning service in order to talk about human trafficking in Canada, right? What kind of community does that kind of thing? Now, listen, um, if they're not here next week to, to, to recognize that, to come to that realization, right? All of the efforts that we put into this are for naught. So the one missing piece is you inviting someone to come, saying, hey, you know what? My church is doing this really cool thing. Um, there's a police officer coming. There's some social worker coming, and, and, and they're making a presentation, and there's going to be opportunities to volunteer afterwards, and it's going to be a great week. Come, come. Right? Just invite. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go over to their house on Sunday morning and tie them up and throw them in the back of your car and bring them here. Just, but at least invite them. Inviting is such a powerful and important thing. Or how about just inviting um, somebody to the GEMS program? 
right, on Wednesday, or to the youth program on Friday. By the way, um, we're attempting to start a young boys ministry this year. There's a few guys that have stepped forward, uh, but they need help. They need help. And um, we need some more guys to step up, and especially if you have young boys at home, uh, we'd love you to, to put this into your, your ministry plans this fall, okay? All right, another suggestion for your plan, for your noble plan, and that is volunteer, right? And, and maybe you might want to volunteer in our hospitality ministries so that when people do come to this church, they experience love in very tangible ways. A bagel says, I love you, right? A cup of coffee, a good cup of coffee, right, says, you're welcome here. I mean, we want people to feel that way, but people can't feel that way if nobody volunteers to be the ones doing the loving in that way. So step up. Now, there's all kinds of other things that I could talk about, but again, you've got to put it in your plan. You've got to put it in your day timer. I mean, I don't know if anybody has day timers anymore, but, but put it into your calendar. This is how I am going to build or be part of building the kingdom of God this year. It won't happen by osmosis, friends. It won't. You've got to make a noble plan. All right. How about the second aspect of our mission? Igniting faith in Jesus. Igniting faith in Jesus. Now, before I say anything, I want you to understand the fact that as a church, um, and we were very deliberate about this when we wrote this, we're not just trying to ignite faith in general, okay? I mean, there's a lot of things that you can have faith in, right? You can have faith that the Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup next year. By the way, good luck with that, right? We've been disappointed for so many years, right? Um, and neither is it we're just trying to ignite faith in God. I mean, that may be a starting point, but, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to ignite a faith in Jesus. Why Jesus? Because, you see, here's the thing. Jesus reveals the heart of God. You know, sometimes people who... who believe in God, but don't believe in Jesus, will say something like this. They'll say, well, we all know that God is love. And I'll say, really? We know that? You know that? How did you come to that conclusion? I mean, you, you, you know, it may turn out that God is not loving at all, that maybe God is angry, you know, or, or that God is not really interested in us, or in this world, or, or in this universe, so to speak. You know, God may be just, he may be self-absorbed. How do you know that God is love? And here's the thing, the only way in which we know is because of Jesus. Because in Jesus, God revealed his heart. And in Jesus, especially what Jesus did for us in terms of taking our sin, dying on the cross, and cleansing us from unrighteousness, making us his sons and daughters, it's through that that we know that God is love. So that's why we're trying to ignite a faith in Jesus. Now, there are two parts to this igniting faith thing, igniting faith in Jesus thing. And um, some of you here this morning, uh, you might be saying, well, you know what, I, I, I need my faith in Jesus to get ignited. I mean, the embers of my faith are, are maybe a little dim at this time, and, and um, maybe you're new to church, 
And, and you're just trying to figure the whole, this whole Christianity thing out, right? Well, listen, um, a great first step would be to start showing up here on a regular basis, okay? To put that into your noble plan. Another step might be to take uh, the Alpha Course, which we'll be offering hopefully in January this year. Um, another first step might be to uh, attend our kind of our first steps uh, course, which kind of introduces you to the river and to the ministries and, and what's going on here. That, that'll be in the first week of November. Um, another might be joining our men's ministry or, or women's ministry. Um, listen, again, you know, this is the discipleship piece of the work that God has called us here to, and it won't happen by osmosis. You have to choose to have your faith ignited. You have to put yourself in places where the Holy Spirit can begin to work in your heart. Now, the other part of it is, is this. Maybe you could ignite the faith in Jesus, a faith in Jesus in someone else. You could be someone who disciples others, right? I, this might mean deciding that you're going to volunteer for Jem's ministry, or you're going to volunteer for, for our boys' ministry, or you're going to volunteer in women's ministry. You know, um, you wouldn't maybe show up there necessarily for yourself, but you're showing up because there's an opportunity for you to, to ignite faith in someone else. Now listen, it's, it, it'll be tough sometimes, right? I mean, if, if you get thrown into a room with, you know, grade one to three boys, all some of whom are ADD, right? You know, after an hour and a half of that, you're like, oh. But you do it because you're saying, you know what? It's important that these young boys come to understand who Jesus is and that God loves them. And I want to be the one to do that. That's going to be part of my noble plan this year. And of course, there's, there's lots of other things that you can do in terms of starting a small group or, or teaching a class or becoming part of the prayer ministry. Um, you know, all these different things. What's your noble plan this year in terms of igniting faith in Jesus in yourself and then in others? Final thing, transforming lives. You know, when we were discussing uh, this mission statement that I just shared with you as a leadership team, um, we thought deep and hard about it. And one of the lines that we were going to use instead of transforming lives is transforming the world. And to be perfectly frank, that was what I was in favor of, but I'm glad I was outvoted. Because in hindsight, I actually like transforming lives better because it's just, it's way more personal. You know what I mean? The thought of, of transforming the world is almost like, it feels like a task that's almost too big. Transforming lives has a very specific quality to it. And what we mean by this is that all over the world, this very moment, there are broken people, there are broken institutions, there are, are, there are broken things, right? If you go to the Bahamas this morning, there's incredible brokenness. And we're going to find out this week... That, that, that so many lives are lost. There's whole communities that have been completely destroyed, right? You look around the world in other places, there's, there's dysfunction in, 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 in so many areas of the world right now. 
So many lives are on a trajectory where there's going to be nothing but hardship and difficulty. I mean, if we, again, we're talking about human trafficking in Canada. Think, I mean, you know, this is not human trafficking in the Philippines that we're talking about next week. We're talking about how it's going on right here in Edmonton. So much brokenness. And what we're saying with transforming lives is that we can be part, in, in, in a way, we can be part of, of, of trying to bring life and light to the world, right? Trying to bring that kind of transformation, transformation where, where what was unjust now starts to function in a just way. What is broken is put back together. It, that's, that's our mission. And so let me ask you, what's your noble plan in this area of your life? Maybe it means uh, some of you want to sign up uh, to help out at the food bank this fall. We've got a bunch of dates, right? Just check currents. Here's another reason to get currents. And uh, we, uh, I think the next one is Monday. What is it again? It, yeah, the food bank. It's Monday. I think it's the 23rd. Almost, I'm sure about that. Um, it's from uh, like 6 to 8 at night. Uh, we all show up there, 20 people, and we do some work at the food bank and help um, hungry people in Edmonton. Maybe you want to be part of that and transform some lives that way. Uh, maybe um, you want to be uh, dive a little deeper into our Zambia partnership and find out about that and, and, and find out how you, can, how you can be part of raising some funds or raising awareness in that area, right? Uh, maybe you want to talk to Kathy after the service and say, you know what, I'd like, like to be part of, of transforming lives in the area of pastoral care. She does a lot of pastoral care and she can use some help, Right? She can use some people who'll do some visiting, who'll do some, who'll do some work in that area. Um, right now, I need a bunch of, of strong guys that are willing to help Kelly Lehman, who, who lost her husband, Kevin, this last year to a heart attack on September 28th, just, just one day, one Saturday. Maybe you'll be, be willing to step up, right? Nine to five and do some work. And, you know, um, the noble, Isaiah tells us, make noble plans, and by their noble deeds, they stand. You know, part of the reason I love that line so much is that here's the, here's the thing, and, and I'm going to close with this. The reality is one day, every one of us is going to stand before the throne of God. And one day, every one of us is going to have to give account, right? God is going to ask us, what did you do with the one and only life that I gave you. And here's my prayer, right? That, that between now and that moment, you'll take Isaiah's advice. And you'll say, I, I don't want to waste my life. I don't, I don't want to just, you know, fill it with my own stuff, my own, you know, fun, my own whatever. But I, I want to be part of, of changing the world. So that when I stand before the throne of God, I can hear those words from him. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. I hope you do too. You know, there's a song that's always haunted me. And it rings in my head from time to time. And I know I've, I've quoted this before here. Um, but almost every time I, I, I hear it, and I, I just listened to it again this week, it brings tears to my eyes. It's by Graham Kendricks, and it goes like this. When it's all been said and done, there's just one thing that matters. Did I do my best?
to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean nothing. Only what I've done for love's reward will stand the test of time. Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold in miry clay, making sinners into saints. I will always sing your praise here on earth and ever after, for you have shown me heaven's my true home. When it's all been said and done, you're my life when life is gone. The noble make noble plans and by their noble deeds they stand. Let's pray. Father, um, this is a defining moment. Here's another opportunity as we look out over um, a coming year of ministry. This is a defining moment for us to say, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a noble plan. A plan to to help people, to love people, to care for people, to, to build the church, to build your kingdom, Lord. To give of myself, to give of my resources. Because what we're doing here is important. It matters. It matters to people. It matters to this world. So convict us by your spirit this morning. May these, those words ring in our head this week. May we ask ourselves, each one of us, are we making a noble plan? A plan to bring light and life to this broken world. Help us. Inspire us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.